But let's talk about something that happened uh, late last night. Greyhound Canada shut down all of its remaining bus routes in Canada permanently at midnight after nearly a century of service. A spokesperson for Greyhound said a full year without revenue has unfortunately made it impossible to continue operations. We deeply regret the impact this has on our staff and our customers, as well as communities we've had the privilege of serving for many years. Anyone with a ticket booked can get a refund up until the end of June. And while uh, Greyhound bus, according to uh, service, according to the Toronto Star, between Canadian destinations will end, their U.S. parent company will continue to operate five cross-border routes. And start to finish, uh, they'll either be starting here in Canada or ending in the States or vice versa. So Toronto to Buffalo, Toronto to New York City, Toronto, Montreal to Boston, Montreal to New York City, and Vancouver to Seattle – I think I may have taken the Greyhound from Vancouver to Seattle, but they're not showing the Greyhound that I took from Toronto as a kid to Florida. That was quite a trip to take with the family. I kind of vaguely remember it. Uh, a lot of stops and uh, at those truck stops along the way to eat. A lot of those uh, jello molds consumed. So they have proven that after a decade that you can't make a profit trying uh, to get these routes to smaller communities and smaller populations. But the governments may need to step up and fill in the gap to ensure that bus-based transportation networks can exist either by subsidizing them, um, like urban bus systems, or by helping develop a hybrid model such as a cooperative. And after the tweet from the federal tr uh, transport minister last night saying we will work with our provincial partners to explore options to address this gap and provide Canadians with safe, reliable, and affordable transportation across the country. I think we should all be aware that we might be paying for this service at, to some degree, whether we use it or not in the future, because you just can't leave people stranded out in the country, in these rural areas. You have to have uh, the ability for them to to get around, just like we, we have the you know luxury of in the GTA. The Amalgamated Transit Union represents uh, some of the workers, uh, the Greyhound bus line, but others are not unionized. So who protects them? Fiona Martin is an employment lawyer and associate at Samfiru Tamarkin, and she joins the show now. Fiona, thanks for being here. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me this morning. So despite the fact that uh, this bus car carrier is permanently closing all routes today or yesterday they did it, uh, Greyhound Canada is on the hook for severance, correct? Yeah, exactly. I think there is a lot, unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there about what employees are entitled to when their employer closes down operations on a permanent basis. So sometimes employees are led to believe that just because a company is closing down on a permanent basis means that they somehow have to accept less termination pay or no termination pay whatsoever. And this is just simply not true. Um, as long as a company does not file for bankruptcy, the regular severance rules apply to non-unionized employees. Um, so as you mentioned, for unionized employees, their termination entitlements flow from what's known as the collective bargaining agreement, and, and that will specifically stipulate what they're entitled to upon termination. So in the case of Greyhound, uh, because they did not file for bankruptcy, it just announced that it was closing operations in Canada. Uh, what that means is that Greyhound Canada will still owe its employees their full severance entitlements. Um, so what they are entitled to will depend on the terms of their employment contract as well as 
other factors such as their age, length of service, level of income, and, and the nature of their position. Um, I think it's also interesting to note that Greyhound employees, and I guess this also implies applies to employees in general who have been terminated during the pandemic. Uh, they may be entitled to even more severance pay than they ordinarily would, just because of, there's an understanding that it will take them even longer to secure comparable new employment, especially in the current economic climate. So absolutely, just because Greyhound is closing, um, in light of the fact that they haven't filed for bankruptcy, it doesn't mean they're off the hook in terms of severance entitlements for their non-unionized employees. Fiona, you mentioned that people were, you know, confused about what's owed to them when a company goes out of business like Greyhound uh, did. Does this uh, misinformation come from the company in an attempt to save some cash? You know, not specifically with with Greyhound, but just on a broad, uh, you know, a broad note with your experience. Yeah, in our experience, it it comes a lot from the company. Um, It can come from like just internet, like just Google searches sometimes provide you with improper information. Um, I think in my experience, what happens a lot of the times is that an employee is invited into a termination meeting and they face a lot of pressure to accept the first deal that's placed in front of them, even if that means that it's significantly less um, than what they are truly entitled to. So there's a lot of pressure to accept an, a termination offer when it's first um, provided to you. But we tell all of our clients, like, always have your offer reviewed. In the vast majority of cases, you're entitled to more, and there's no obligation. An employer might kind of put some pressure on you in the termination meeting and say, listen, we're going under if you don't take this. There's not going to be anything left in the pot for you. You have to accept this termination package. And that's just not true. Right. right. So you should take your time, up. right? Yeah, definitely. We, we always, um, even if you suspect it might be a fair offer, there's no harm in getting an offer reviewed by an employment lawyer, uh, just at least for peace of mind. But I can tell you in, in my experience in, in, in general in employment law, the vast majority of times employers will not pay what is or at least offer off the bat what's rightfully owed to you. Okay. You, you'd mentioned that, it, in fact, some people that find themselves out of a job during the pandemic may be entitled to mm-hmm. more severance pay. I know you have that severance calculator on <laughs> your uh, website. Do yeah. you take into account the pandemic now when factoring in how much severance people can can get if they go and plug numbers into that that severance calculator? Yeah, I, I don't know if the severance calculator um, in particular has been modified to reflect that, but I do know that when we take on clients, like if you call in and, and book an appointment, absolutely, that's something we, we consider when negotiating termination entitlements. Like, for example, um, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of executive chef clients right, who have been laid off, terminated because of the pandemic. And pre-pandemic, maybe it would have only taken a few months for them to secure comparable new employment. But, but in light of all of the closures, um, these executive chefs have a very, or even in waitresses, waiters, et cetera, mm-hmm. all have a stronger argument that they're entitled to far more than just a couple of months, just because it's going to take several, several months before um, they're kind of back in business and can secure a comparable new job. The same goes for, I, I just had a, a hairstylist client recently, uh, the same argument applied. 
if like the the underlying I guess message is that the courts do take into consideration how long it'll take for you to find a comparable new job and in the middle of a pandemic it's going to take longer. And do they because I know there's probably some employers listening right now thinking well that is you know difficult on an employer that also is going through some hard times. Does the judge take uh, both parties into into consideration when it comes to figuring out how much uh, severance is due? Unfortunately, not. I wish I, I, unfortunately, that's just the way that the law is. Um, at least to date, the judges haven't taken into consideration um, the financial circumstances of the, the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Again, I don't know if that's going to change because of the pandemic and because of the unprecedented number of companies that are dealing with such dire financial circumstances. Maybe that can change in the future. But as it is now, um, there's nothing in the case law that suggests that employees are entitled to any sort of discount on their termination pay just because the company is is uh, not doing well financially. So the government uh, or the judges rather are looking out for uh, employees in that situation. I appreciate your uh, insight here, Fiona. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Have a great day. Fiona Martin, employment lawyer and associate at Sanfuru to Markin LLP.